Booyah! Welcome back, everybody. Episode number 107 of the SoCo Show is here. Uh, this is, of course, of, of course, Cora of course. the Explorer. And uh, I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. The boots to your Dora, as the we always say. my Dora. That's, we've been saying it for years. <laughs> and uh, we are here with yet another episode. Uh, lots of fun stuff, some news, some reviews. Uh, the good stuff that you're used to here on the SoCo Show. But we want to kick things off with something that we don't often get to talk about. Uh, and, and, and we're very rarely serious on the show, but we want to extend our serious congratulations to two members of the SoCo Nation, as it were. Um, my little brother, Kyle Michael, got married last week. Uh, and so we want to, we certainly want to congratulate him on his wedding. He was on the show last week. You heard his voice uh, calling out the acting talents of Keanu Reeves. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't hear that episode, go back and, and listen to 106. It was a pretty fun one. And then uh, also a big time congratulations to Mike Vandenhol of Mike's Wood, uh, which you can find, of course, at etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed. Mike and his wife, Courtney, just had their first baby. So... Uh, welcome to the world, Oliver Todd Vandenhol. Um, he'll be about a week old by the time this episode drops. So congrats to Mike and Courtney, and uh, welcome to uh, our newest subscriber and listener, Oliver. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he better sign. He better sign up for like a SoundCloud or a Apple Podcast account or something, so that'll count for another subscriber. Yeah, no listening with your dad, Oliver. All right, <laughs> shouldn't be listening at this age anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Mike did share uh, with me, uh, shared with us actually in our group chat, that uh, he he tried playing the SoCo show during the birth so that w- our voices would be the first that Oliver heard, but that was vetoed sharply by uh, by mom, and so uh, <laughs> they, we weren't able to make that happen. But someday, someday, a newborn will have us as their uh, their first voices, not our own kids, Jesus, but uh, one lucky fan, I'm sure, will will do it. We have that sort of dedication to our fan base, for sure. I can guarantee one thing. Our own kids won't exist, so. <laughs> a lot of steps that need to take place before we have kids, and um, frankly, neither of us uh, take many of those steps, so. <laughs> Rest um, assured, the SoCo Show will be here deep into the future. Uh, no children will be screwing up our recording schedule, listeners. That's true. That is true. One thing that is kind of screwing up my recording is you may hear a, a dog in the background this week, um, and I'm not talking about uh, the. Never mind. Not You're not talking about that. the big dog. <laughs> dog. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm talking about an actual dog that I am uh, dog sitting. So if you hear any barks, uh, whines, slams, farts, <laughs> uh, it's definitely the dog. I did not fart. Sure, the dog. Blame it on the dog. Not a whole lot else going on this week. Uh, big big week for me. A lot of lot of visitors, a lot of wedding stuff. And so I, I missed almost everything movies uh, and TV related. Uh, so this will be a Seth-heavy episode. We got a couple of reviews we're getting into. Uh, a TV corner that I'm excited to hear about as well. Uh, and I'm really stoked about this week's Mambo number five. I think it's going to be a blast. So uh, let's jump into the show. And we're going to start, like we always do, with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Well, Iron Sheik, he always has to spread his uh, wisdom and ideas and philosophy in life through Twitter and the Twitter machine. And so this is for anyone who, you know, had a case of the Mondays or that's when we're recording or if someone's just having a, a bad midweek, 
you know, this comes out on Thursday. If you're having a bad Thursday, if you're just waiting for Friday to come, Iron Sheik is going to give you a little bit of, little bit of uh, knowledge and insight to what you should do. Iron Sheik says, if you got off on the wrong foot, go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's a pretty... You had me going. You made me think he was going to give actual positive advice, but... Um... It's almost like I haven't heard this a hundred times. It usually does end <laughs> with something along the lines of go fuck yourself. So That's true. The Sheik not breaking from his brand. That's that's nice to see. I call you a punk. All right, let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free! Booyah. Uh, also, Mathis Designs, which you can find on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationary and graphic design needs. Pay! And we mentioned it before, but we'll do it again. Mike's Wood is at Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. <laughs> there we go. Um, let's see here. We're going to roll into uh, an interesting piece of TV news that I'm excited to talk about just a little bit. Let's hit Let's hit TV. That's what she said. TV. So, Seth, we're in an age where these things are becoming more common and more popular. Uh, you know, you, you find an actor or a director or producer signing these deals um, that extend beyond one project. Uh, Adam Sandler has it with Netflix. You have um, Ryan Murphy is Netflix as well as Ava DuVernay. And these... Um, these deals have not stopped, and we got a new one. Uh, not a lot of people may know about Nathan Fielder, but you and I do, and we're fans of his his comedy stylings. Uh, Nathan For You was his show on Comedy Central for a while where he was a consultant in businesses. And that show, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. The Nathan For You show. Have you seen many episodes of that, Seth? I've watched some with, uh, with you uh, or just random YouTube people who like to pull it up. But yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh my god, it's hysterical. He, um, yeah, there's some funny shit on there, and th- most of it's on YouTube too. So check out Nathan for you. But you're gonna be able to see Nathan Fielder uh, on HBO in the near future. He just signed a deal with them um, to work on a couple of projects. Uh, sounds like a docu series and a comedy pilot uh, have both been ordered by Netflix. Hmm. Um, and uh, Fielder has an overall uh, some sort of first look deal with them. Uh, that extends beyond those two things too. So uh, the docu-series sounds interesting to me because he's very much uh, on Nathan for you, very like, you know, pretends to be serious a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think a documentary would be really funny uh, with him running the show. And then who knows, a comedy pilot could go any number of a thousand ways. So, Uh, but I'm particularly excited for the docu-series. Yeah, I would definitely, I mean, HBO has, uh, they they definitely let people kind of go with their, with their you know, freedom and all that stuff. And I think that could be interesting for him because he's, he's pretty out there with some of his stuff. And, uh, you know, being on Comedy Central, you're limited. Even, you know, even with the kind of stuff they, they went with or go with, they're still pretty limited to... God damn it. <laughs> he's re- I think your stomach's rumbling. <laughs> <laughs> no, that dog is real upset about Nathan for you right now. He's mad it's gone. But, uh, no, he... Uh, He's still limited being on like a network like that, whereas HBO, you can do whatever you want. So I think it'll be fun because he's going to have really no restrictions now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be pretty awesome. And it looks like I'm seeing here a one year overall deal at HBO. So it doesn't extend super long, but uh, enough for cool, him to though. get 
Oh, still very cool. Especially for, I mean, yeah. for a comic, I mean, to get that amount of uh, freedom, like you said, mm-hmm. is rare and pretty exciting. And I'm sure he's going to make a few bucks along the way. So I personally will be keeping an eye out for that because I love his stuff. And uh, I think listeners of ours will too. So uh, check out check out Nathan Fielder when you can and, and we'll, we'll let you know when his HBO stuff drops. All right, so that's it for TV news. Um, but let's jump into a review that I'm interested in hearing more about. Uh, let's get into the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right, Seth, a lot of folks are watching this show and it sounds like it's, a, it's pretty different uh, from a lot of the other things on TV. Uh, Kyle mentioned it last week that he really enjoyed it. I'm interested to see whether or not you agreed. Yeah, uh, he, Kyle mentioned the boys. The boys. The boys, boys not out. Mm, boys. <laughs> so the boys, yeah, it's uh, it, been talked about a lot. It's uh, I think it's Amazon's highest watch show now, or most watched show now, uh, which it happened pretty quickly. It's only been out for a few weeks, but... Uh, very excited about it. Uh, I heard a lot of good stuff and uh, definitely not disappointed in, in what I got. But The Boys is a comic book uh, series that turned into a TV show, obviously. It's uh, Garth Ennis is the guy who wrote it, and he's the guy who did uh, Preacher. He does Preacher. And so, obviously, he's kind of a hot name with these adaptations. And and so, they, from what I understand, they did a good job of adapting a lot of the style and feeling of the show into... Uh, the the comic book into the show and so what this uh, surrounds is basically what superheroes would be like if they really existed uh, basically these superheroes have become have become kind of corporatized and monetized uh, they're basically like celebrities and it's funny too because these these heroes are even movie stars they make movies about them and tv shows about them and and all that type that type of stuff just like we do but in this they're real people and and so they're treated just like celebrities and like gods essentially and so it's kind of interesting to see how that that world plays out but the the basic premise of the show is that one of the heroes his name's a train he's a speeder uh he's not uh, the wrestler from the early 2000s who uh had a uh, had a uh a pierced penis um (laughs) yeah but uh, so the A train he runs through this main guy's girlfriend, and like when I say runs through, literally runs through her. She like explodes, and there's like bones and blood and guts. This show does not stray away from the the guts and the the gore and all that stuff. I mean, there's people getting lasered in half by laser eyes and getting shot down and exploded, and there's just blood and guts and all all kinds of stuff everywhere it's it's pretty gnarly but it's uh it, it's it, the way the way that they they do this show it all fits all that type of stuff fits because it has some humor to it it has some 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 emotional beats to it and it's got the the gore that you you probably should expect from a comic book uh that garth ennis does he a lot of that gore and stuff is is in preacher as well but this takes it to a, a whole new level but it takes stuff you haven't really seen with superheroes and puts it into this into this into the show you haven't seen this with superhero movies or shows um it kind of puts a nice little spin onto it um but anyway the the main character his girlfriend explodes and he's on a revenge mission now he, he you know he wants to get justice for what happened to her she was innocent she was kind of just in the street a little bit and this guy runs through her <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's uh it, it's about the revenge and, and this main guy he's played by uh 
Last name's Quaid. I think he's one of the Quaid, like Dennis or Randy Quaid's son. I can't remember his first name. He's young. He's a little bit younger. You've seen him in a few things, I think. But uh, he, he does a really good job playing the main character of the show. Uh, very, like, just kind of nerdy-ish. Uh, kind of the type of guy who's, like, he kind of gets lucky, like, with the... He, he's batting out of his league with the girls he's with, that type of thing. Um, he's just, like, very... He's, like, funny, but, like, not, like imposing in any way he's just mm-hmm. very he's like kyle he's like your brother kyle um but uh anyway so <laughs> he's gonna love that but uh <laughs> um but he he ends up in the position where he's getting his revenge and there is this uh superhero other that's just joined uh named starlight and they kind of strike up this friendship and and relationship where she is like this brand new member of the team. So she's, she's, uh, did I, I probably didn't describe it well, but the seven is this, this group of seven heroes that are kind of like the famous people. And so she, she joins this team and she's more, she's actually from Iowa. She's from Des Moines, which is kind of funny, <laughs> but they, she joins this team and she's kind of got, she, she's the younger one and she's got this different view than other people do there. The other ones are jaded and all about making money She's more about the actual like saving people and about the the ideals and the and the way you present yourself and all that stuff. So as she's starting to kind of get beat down by it, they she's she's trying to decide whether or not like you know did these superheroes is it worth it to conform to their way to be the star or is it should should I stick to my gun? So there, there's that central focus going on as well. It's kind of a little bit deeper show than you might expect it because it, it does hit on a lot of those things that are very uh, mainstream topic right now with the Me Too type stuff and all that. So it's got a lot to it. It's got the, in just eight episodes they pack a lot into it, but I really liked a lot of it. Um, I think that some of the other side storylines don't quite land, which is it did have some pacing issues and things like that. So it kind of it, it deviated away from some of the the thing the the things I really liked about it, which you know that happens with with the show. But for the most part, I was entertained throughout, and uh, I really liked the cast. Uh, the the main the main villain he's a hero. He's like basically Superman in this show. His name's Homelander. Uh, he's got like the he's he's got all the powers of Superman. Can fly, laser eyes, super strong, invulnerable, all that stuff. Uh, he's wearing like an American flag cape, uh, very much America and all that stuff. But he's also very evil and deviant on, you know, on, on behind behind the scenes. You know, he's kind of like the almost like a Harvey Weinstein where he's just always trying to <laughs> get. He's not like he's not like sexually assaulting women like Harvey Weinstein, but he's like he puts on a face like he's this good guy. But in behind the scenes, like he is evil, you know, that type of thing. So like just just presenting himself in a way but he uh he the, the actor who plays him and the character i really i can't say enjoyed but like i thought was really well done because they they really made you hate this guy but at the same time the way he presents himself is like you know this this lovable guy and you can see why people love him so they did a good job there the all i thought all the other supporting heroes had at least a bit of a role i think the funniest one was the deep who's basically like aquaman um, and he can really only talk to fish <laughs> type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they, they kind of make some funny things with him. But uh, overall, again, I thought I thought the cast was really well done. Uh, there's like a Wonder Woman type. Uh, there's this guy named Black Noir who doesn't talk at all. But he's like this stealthy, badass type guy. 
Um, it, it, it's interesting. They throw in this. There's a bunch of mythology. I think the other thing I would like is just more of the world to be kind of explored for me because I think there's a ton of going going on there, and they really focus it on kind of the main characters. I would have liked to seen what more of the world was like, but um, that's because there's so much going on here. My my thoughts are just all over the place, but it's a really well done show. I think it's definitely worth watching and checking out. Um, my overall score, I'd say. Probably 4.3 uh, nasty decapitations out of 5. <laughs> so 4.3, pretty solid score. So I think that does echo Kyle's recommendation from last week. Um, and in a world where there's no shortage of superhero material, Seth, would you say that this was a refreshing sort of change of of um, of theme or of, uh, of feel from what we're used to seeing? Yeah, they definitely made it more put a spin on it. They put a, put a, put a a different spin on it than what you've seen, which is good. I mean, like I said, there is a ton of superhero stuff and you know, if it, it still interests a lot of people and you know, obviously it's Amazon's highest rated show, but I was even thinking too, like beforehand, like how much more superhero stuff do I want to watch, you know, Mm -hmm. and and how much different, how, how different can they make it? But they did get a, did a good job here of doing that. This reminds me a lot of the book series I read called the reckoners, uh, which, which has that kind of similar, Five, the heroes are just straight up evil in that one because of certain reasons, and there's people, uh, normal people who are trying to go and, and kill them. So that's it's a variation of that, but still, you know, interesting premise that I, that I do like. So I think the Reckoners is going to get a TV show eventually, which I hope it does. I think it would fit well, and I think the boys doing well is going to lead to that doing well as well, or at least getting made. So mm-hmm. I hope that happens soon, but. Yeah, overall, definitely worth a watch. It's uh, not something I'm standing on the rooftop saying, got to watch now, but definitely worth checking out. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, The Boys is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, You can watch it there and uh, enjoy all the apparently nasty decapitations that come along with it. And (laughs) if you want to check out the Reckoners book series, uh, you can get it via audibletrial.com slash SoCo. And if it's your first book, you can get it for free. Free! There you have it. Um, are we expecting a season two of The Boys? Yeah, the, it got uh, approved before, or greenlit before the season even came out. So they were confident in it, and I think it paid, paid off because that became a very watch show. Nice. Well, more more of The Boys to come, and uh, as soon as we find out when, we will, of course, let you know. Uh, Seth, what else are you watching right now? What should we expect coming down the pipe for the TV corner? Well, we got uh, Handmaid's Tale ends this week. Uh, the last episode comes out on Wednesday, so be uh, probably a TV corner for that next week as well as uh, watching Glow. I don't know when I'll be able to finish that. I might get to it this week, but uh, otherwise, I know there's a lot of movies coming out that I want to go check out, but uh, maybe Glow next week or the week after, one of the two. Well, there you go. Uh, keep an eye out for those things in future editions of the TV Corner. This week, though, 4.3 out of 5 gnarly decapitations for the boys. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts a baby in a corner. All right, we're going to switch over from the world of TV to that of the films, and uh, we're going to start, like we typically do, by making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, so Seth has found a movie quote. I need to figure out what movie and what character uh, were, were the, uh, the originators of, of said quote. What do you got for me? The quote is, it's just... Oh, hold on, i got to find a different accent. <laughs> um, hello. 
It's just, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> How do I want to do this? How do I want to do the accent? It's so hard to decide. <laughs> All right. I'll just say it normally. It's just, it's just the first time. No, hold on. It's just, it's the first time I've ever seen you look ugly. And that makes me kind of happy. Huh. It's just the first time I've seen you look ugly, and that makes me kind of happy. It's just, it's the first time I've ever seen you look ugly, and that makes me kind of happy. <laughs> All right, Ron. There, I got one. I got um, one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. It's not immediately coming to mind, but I, I do have some context clues. Uh, we had, I think we had Rebel Wilson last week from Isn't It Romantic, so... That's correct. I know it's Rebel Wilson film. Is it Pitch Perfect? No. Okay. I thought that would be too easy. Um, damn it. There's one. Oh, I might have it. Because I think she does a, she has a sneaky like role not a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, is this from Bridesmaids? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, um, oh God, it could be any number of them. Uh, Kristen Wiig, maybe? Uh-huh. Do you okay. remember her character's name? No, I don't remember the character. It's Annie. Annie. Okay. Uh, that, see, okay. So I watched Bridesmaids really late to compare, compared to most people. And mm-hmm. so by the time I watched it, Rebel Wilson had started to get famous from her other stuff. And mm-hmm. so when I watched it, I was like, oh, fuck, there's Rebel Wilson. But I think when most people watch it, they don't realize, I don't think a lot of people realize that she was in that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she's, isn't she kind of a skeezy roommate? I don't remember, to be honest, because, yeah, I saw it, too. I think the first time I saw it was when we first lived together around that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she. Uh, I think she's a roommate. It may be to Kristen Wiig's character, um, but it's her and her British brother, who are, is also really weird, and they're just weird yeah. together. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Bridesmaids, that's a good one. That one, that's one I haven't gone back to since I originally watched it, um, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people love it, so I may... Maybe I'll have to go back and check that one out again because I don't think I'm giving it as much credit as it might deserve because I, I didn't love it as much as most folks. Did, where were you on it? I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the best thing I'd ever seen, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. It was good. Right on. Well, uh, quick and easy work of this week's uh, this week's quote. Of course, uh, Krista Wiggs character from, from Bridesmaids uh, remarking on the ugliness of her friend. So um, <laughs> real, real positive stuff a la the Iron Sheik this week. So uh, we're, we're staying on brand. So uh, that's it for this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All right, let's roll on. And um, it, it got a, an interesting piece of, of movie news that we wanted to discuss here. Uh, let's jump into movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So uh, we're not going to talk at length about the shootings that went on in the last couple weeks. Um, but what we are going to talk about is that they have caused some drama in the film world and um, have resulted in a project getting pulled. Seth, you want to give us the details on this story? Yeah, so there, there's this uh, movie that it uh, looked, looked interesting, but it's called The Hunt that was being released by Universal. Uh, I know a couple days prior to the, the shootings and everything happening, they had been talking about, I, I, I guess they pulled the trailer 
a couple of days ago offline and then the shootings happened. There was a whole thing going on. Uh, I know Trump had like a press conference or whatever and mentioned that uh, he blames Hollywood and video games for a lot of these shootings and violent things are going on. And so that prompted Universal to eventually just pull the movie entirely. And they said they might release it at a later date, maybe not. But we've seen this happen before with like the interview a couple years ago mm-hmm. where uh, they, the, you know, the, there was some tension with North Korea and then North Korea had threatened to attack if if they if the interview was released. And then eventually I think Netflix or someone picked it up and uh, it we uh, got drunk. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, so Universal pulls the movie and, and, you know, this is whether or not, cause I, basically this, the, the talk about it because it was, it's, it's a political thing b- before, because it's basically a movie about liberals versus conservatives or left versus right type of thing. And so this had drawn some ire from a lot of sides of of either side honestly but a lot of it i mean of course from from the 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 right side saying this shouldn't come out and so this uh, the whole thing around it basically just caused the movie to to not come out and you know it's i it, what, what do you think about it i guess what do you think about something like this a movie or video games or whatever it is cuz the the other thing that happened too is like walmart uh, had is now because of the violent video game statement that that was made walmart is not advertising mature games they'll still sell them but they're not no longer going to advertise or put sale out or highlight mature games that have violence in them so i, I guess what do you what do you think about all this like now the censorship of media and and now people watching themselves more with media and, and that type of thing yeah so first of all the I- the video game thing is asinine, I think. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's not... It doesn't cause fucking violence. Um, mm-hmm. The... And I know this is anecdotal, and it, I, I hesitate to even say it, but, like, you and I have been playing violent video games forever, and we're not violent people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, we're about as far as it gets from violent people. Like, it's... Mm. Um, I think that if there's a relationship between video games or media in general, like movies and things and the people that are doing these attacks, I think that people who are already, you know, wired in a way that would allow them to do these sorts of things, they might seek that stuff out. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it creates people who do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, like I, it goes the same way. Like I like basketball, so I'm more likely to watch basketball movies. If people mm-hmm. like murdering people, then they're more li- likely to watch stuff <laughs> about murder. But that doesn't mean right. I don't watch basketball because I, or I don't like basketball because of the movie. Like, I, I think it's a chicken and egg kind of thing. Um, and sure, maybe maybe these folks have been watching violent, you know, movies and playing violent video games, but I don't think it's caused any um, violence. And I, and, I, and the, I think the research shows that. I, it's been studied mm-hmm. ever since video games ever come out. Like, people thought Galaga was a violent video game when it came out. And, you know, so this has always been going on and I I think it's, I think it's, I think it's reductive and I think it's silly and I think it's scapegoating to say that Mm -hmm. the, that the films and the movies are causing the violence. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, I, I, I dismiss that out of hand, but I do think there's something to be said about 
reacting to these events when you put a movie out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the you, you don't want to be insensitive, right? And I, I I am in support of delaying a movie and putting it out at the right time. I think it's a shame that this one is they're calling it canceled. Maybe they'll put it out mm-hmm. later on. Um, so it's a shame that all those people's hard work went into something that's not going to get put out and seen and they're going to lose a lot of money off it. I, my hope is that they find a time to be able to put it out or, you know, a, a different sort of release schedule. Maybe it's on VOD and not in theaters or something, you know, hopefully they find a way to get it out because, um, you know, while I agree that putting it out right now is probably not a good idea, um, I well, I hope that they still have have a way to get it out. Well, it wasn't supposed to come out till I think the end of February or end of September, middle end of September, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, like, if let's say let's say John Wick came out this week, mm-hmm. do you think that would get pulled? No, because I don't think it would. Exi- and I think the reason for it, I agree with you, and I think the reason for that is it doesn't have a political message to it at all. Yeah, I, I think I think this is pure. I think the re- yes, there, this movie is about shooting and hunting people. It's called the hunt. It's about human hunting, but the, 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 there's a whole the whole message behind it is political. I think the whole reason for this is a political move, and that's what annoys me about it. Like, if if I again, I can understand if the reasoning if it actually is due to wanting to to be sensitive about it, but. You know, there's unfortunately, you know, we live in a place where there's been a shitload of this stuff happening. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's been other movies coming out the same weekend that involve shooting that have all, all these other shootings have happened. You know, it's this this one. This one was a big one because it was two big ones in two big cities and it sucks and no one likes to see it. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a terrible situation, but when it comes down to it this has all happened before. And I think now because of the political aspect, I think this is just this movie in particular is completely a political thing and it's really annoying. And, and I, it's a scary thing. There's a, now there's a, I know this doesn't have to do with movies, but it does have to do something that now with, that we deal with on the show and that's Twitter and social media. There is a, an executive order coming about uh, basically social media and, uh, f- f- uh, online speech, online free speech mm-hmm. that can be controlled now by the government in certain ways. This is an executive order from from uh, the president. <laughs> so that's going on, and it's it's all just pretty scary to be honest. But um, especially with art and movies and and games and all that stuff, I think, like you said, uh, taking that away from people is I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's I think that's very wrong because people put work into it. This is something that now it's not like I I agree, I, I, I say there there are limits to it because like if someone put out a movie about like I don't know like child porn or something like that's a different story. Yeah. You know if it's done just to like shock and awe or whatever, but there's a reason that they made this movie. They wanted a story to tell and to put to take someone's art and just say no you can't you can't put this movie out there because of a political move i think that's just wrong yeah i i would certainly agree with you and i think yeah once you start getting into real censorship of art and of opinion that's that's like orwellian very scary dictator type shit 
Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I, I think I want to walk back one thing. So with regards specifically to the hunt, I, I mm-hmm. do agree with you that I think this is purely political because, um, yeah, this this movie isn't about people going into Walmarts and shooting people. It's about, uh, it's it's politically infused, yeah, but it's you're right. It's about people hunting people. So it's... I get why it might be triggering for some people, but that's not what the movie is about. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a movie about, you know, some people who are in a mass shooting scenario, then I get it. You know, push it mm-hmm. back. If it's that close to home. And there have been examples of this. You know, there's a ton of these. Um, I just, I pulled up an article and was flipping through. Uh, you remember the movie Phone Booth? Mm-hmm. So that movie has a, a sniper that's shooting, that's, you know, shooting people or at least threatening to do it. And they delayed yeah. it because the DC sniper was happening. So like yep. that, I think, makes total sense because it's very obviously going to trigger something that's very fresh of mind. Um, mm-hmm. I think all the way back to Spider-Man coming out and there was a yep, scene where... That's what he, I was thinking of. Yeah, he webs up the Twin Towers and catches a, catches a helicopter in between and they changed it to fit that. And I think those are reasonable and acceptable and probably is how they should do this stuff. Um, but you're right. This, this is a stretch. It's, it seems like a stretch to say that this is going to trigger people from the, the Dayton and the El Paso shootings. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's very, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but the other thing is that movies like these don't tend to do very well when they get moved like this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Gone Baby Gone is one that that um, uh, apparently was delayed in the UK because there was a really popular child abduction at the same time. Mm. Um, but in the US, we didn't know about that, and that movie did well. Um, and then, obviously, we talked about the interview, and I don't know what kind of money they made compared to what they would have in the theaters, but the, uh, a lot of people watched the interview because it was politicized, yeah. because, or, you know, uh, popularized because of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this stuff has always happened. I think that... There is a healthy balance between, um, you know, being sympathetic to the, you know, what's going on in the world. And if, if something is truly triggering people in a way that's, that's not cool as it relates to, uh, current events, then I say delay is the right thing to do, but Mm -hmm. you're right. This seems like a stretch and like, you know, like the, it feels like the studio caving to political noise, and that's frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. It seems like, and I, I, I don't, I don't typically use the slippery slope argument, but yeah. it doesn't seem very far from. Well, I mean, it's Colin Kaepernick not getting to play football. It's the same thing, you know. Pe- people were pissed, <laughs> right. and now no one wants to touch him. The studio doesn't want to be attached to this project if they think a bunch of conservatives are going to be pissed about it. Um, I get it. I do. Uh, it's a shame that this is happening, though, because you know. It's it's people's art and it should be seen. And Universal was ready to yeah. put it out. Um, so I don't know. We, and we rarely get political on this show, and this is only borderline political. But uh, yeah. one one thing that I know you and I are both in favor of is, is is freedom of art. You know, and even mm-hmm. if we're not going to agree with the way your art goes, and we've reviewed many a film that's like you know this oh this was a little too violent for me or a little harsh or I didn't like the way they did this or I could see why people mm-hmm. don't like that. Um, uh, Oh, the movie you really liked last year with uh, Natalie Portman. Box Lux. Yeah, that was one that um, I know you even said, like, some people are going to be triggered by this and not like it. And that's, that's a, you know, a risk that the art is taking. Um, yeah. But I think well, it has to be up to the recipient of the art, not the, you know, don't not put it out. Put it out and let people react to it. 
Yeah, and and so like, and and I want to say too, like I don't, I'm not trying to diminish any way of what happened with right, <laughs> with, with, with with the shootings and everything, because that all that's awful, and like there's nothing you can say about it that want you know hasn't already been said, and like you can really just you know express with words, because it all like what's crazy about it is like how numb we've all kind of come to it, you know, and it's like it doesn't really surprise us anymore, which sucks. Uh, it something needs to change with it, but. And, and and again, like I, if this if that movie was about a school like a, a a shooting like a mass shooting or something like that, then I, I totally agree. Just like the the World Trade Centers or shooter and all that stuff, like I totally agree. Delay it, um, but this this isn't about that. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's a completely different thing. It comes out in, in an extra month after all this stuff happens. People are already like moved on, you know, from this. Like in the media and and Twitter and all that stuff. People have moved on, unfortunately. Like, that's, that's, with all this stuff, like, like I said, being normalized, like, 20 years ago, this would be talked, the, the shootings would be talked about for months, you know, mm-hmm. be all over the news. But now, like, it's three days past it or however long it's been past it. And it's, you know, it's not talked about anymore and it sucks. And, like, it, that's why, for me, like, the, the movie here is completely separate from what happened. Yeah. That's a big reason because it's just all so, it's all such a separate and crazy thing. Um, the other, yeah, the, the Vox Lux, though, going back to that point. That, I mean, I guess brief spoilers. Uh, it starts off with a school shooting, and it's very, very detailed. It's very graphic. They show the whole thing in in front of you. <laughs> and that wasn't, no one said, cancel this movie. No one said, this movie shouldn't be shown. Yes, it was. It, it's because it was a small indie fi- uh, flick, but... It still is. It was the most graphic thing in terms of that shooting stuff that I've ever seen, and it didn't get any attention because it didn't have anything to do with politics, you know. So like, mm-hmm. it just it's it's crazy. It it really is, and uh, yeah, I it, I hate to see it. Yeah, it is a bummer because even you know, and you know the the risk you run by saying you know oh freedom of art, you know. There, there is like um, the birth of a nation, which was like a heavily um, pro KKK, anti black people movie from like the fucking 20s or some shit. And like, because we're arguing for freedom of art, we have to be okay with that art too, which that's, you know, it's a, it's a tough stance to take and then also accept that other people have to be able to put out their art. Um, but it's true. Like, you know, there, there are, there are going to be movies always where, um, you know, conservatives are on the side of the winner and there'll be others where there's liberals on the side of the, 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 win- the winner and everything in between. Um, and I think as long as everyone is a little bit sympathetic and empathetic and realizes, mm-hmm. you know, here's how this movie might affect people. And I think that we, we talk about it all the time, but does the dog die.com is a super mm-hmm. great resource to, if you, if you have any trigger warnings that you want to get, go to that website and, and search for the movie you're about to see. And you can see, what some of the triggering events might be in that movie. And it's a great resource. Um, But I do think that we have to be, when it comes to the political art, uh, everybody has to be able to put theirs out and the world has to be able to react to it. And Mm -hmm. that's how we decide whether or not something's acceptable. Um, You know, if, if this movie came out, even if it came out on time and there was backlash, then that's the studio that's on the studio. You know, mm-hmm. it's up to the studio to decide when to put something out. 
I, I wish that they weren't canceling this. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they walked that back. Um, but I wish they weren't completely canceling it. And did they, mm-hmm. did they officially say the word canceling or did they say delayed or on hold or anything like that? I believe what I wrote is canceled. Okay. Um, and I think I might have seen something that said that we were reevaluate it, but I'm not totally sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it is a shame. And, and ultimately it was universal choice. Um, you know, and while, uh, you know, the president and others like him can, can call for things like this, it does eventually come down to the studios, whether or not they want to do this. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and certainly the, the people there are smarter than us and they, they must think that, you know, it's, it's worse for them in the long run to put it out and make the money than it would be for their image. Um, I don't know, but, uh, I don't envy the people that have to make those decisions either. Cause that's tough stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is a complex, uh, and multi-layered topic here so let us know guys on the on the tweets or on facebook at soco show pod uh what do you think of what do you think of politics and or current events uh affecting the releases whether or not they get released and the timing of some of these movies do you think that that the studios should be uh, you know as as sympathetic as possible and and change things and delay things to accommodate for for um current events or should they just be able to put out whatever they want whenever they want uh, and the same with politics. If if everyone is in an outrage over something, uh, should that affect release dates? Uh, really would be interested to hear you guys' thoughts on this, so make sure you hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter. For now, though, we are going to roll forward, and uh, this is going to be a really different spin on this segment, uh, but I'm really stoked for it. Let's get into our Mambo number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number 5. So this week's Mambo uh, was inspired by uh, the movie The Kitchen, that came out this past week. Um, we didn't see it, so we're not going to review it today, but Jared did. At Jared Buckendall. So make sure you go over here and listen to his review. Uh, we'll link to it in the in the description box uh, so you can check out his thoughts. Uh, in general, though, slight spoiler, doesn't sound like a very good movie. But <laughs> <laughs> the premise is that you get a, you get a few badass chicks that um, sort of uh, team up and are going to do some action-y stuff. So... Seth, that inspired our Mambo number five this week, and it, it was more your idea than mine. So why don't you lay down the groundwork of what we're doing here? Yeah, so the kitchen, uh, the the premise, you kind of got it. It's uh, there are a bunch of it's kind of like widows. There are a bunch of wives of mobsters who have to to come together. But it, I think it's actiony and stuff. I guess I don't know. I heard it's just a mess. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I kind of thought. It was uh, in this Mambo number five. Instead of like ranking a top five women that we want to see kick some ass on a movie uh it's gonna be basically a a top five who you'd want for a team a total team here so um basically you put your five together and that's your team of women and you you rank them from least important to most important type of thing i like it and uh i first of all uh maybe we'll do this so we'll we'll each name our teams here uh, over the course of this segment and then uh maybe on facebook and twitter people can vote on uh, which team they think is the better team. I think that'd be fun. Uh, I can tell you, you already, go. mine would win because I have the dope-ass squad. Sure you do. <laughs> yeah, so, and and basically, I, the, the way I did it was, like, based off of the movie, the, some of the characters I played in movies, and then I'll kind of explain why, what, what their role would be in the team type thing. So. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I got my whole squad planned out. I know exactly what they're going to do. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. Let's jump into this. Number five. All right. So uh, I have basically mine 
I have a great team, but it's also just a wish list of actresses that I like watching and want to see all in the same movie. So my first one, uh, fans of the show will know that I'm a huge, huge fan of Lily James. Okay. uh, I have Lily James in at my five spot. She is the part of the team. Now, she's going to be playing a little bit against type in this, which is important. Um, Lily James is going to be my transport and demolitions expert. Okay. Okay. She is like really fucking crazy. Um, And... She's like, uh, kind of like the helicopter guy, uh, in the A team. How he's kind of nuts and does all the helicopter shit that no one should ever do in a helicopter. That's Lily James. So she's like really cute and small and innocent and stuff, except actually she's a psychopath and wants to just blow shit up and flip helicopters. So, uh, I'm giving Lily James some agency and she's not going to count on some man to treat her right in this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, that's, that's her job on my team. But what about past movies have led you to believe she can do that? Um, I, I guess I've seen her do sweet and I would say like 70% of the time she's going to be sweet, but then like there'll be a scene or two in the movie where something needs blown up and she's going to like fucking cackle about it and think it's hilarious. Um, so she's doing more sweet than crazy, but the crazy scenes are going to be, she's, she's a comedic effect character. Um, Okay. So she's going to be reacting to some shit that like other people would think is gnarly. Uh, or like, you know, difficult or scary. And she's, since she's a psycho, she doesn't get phased by it like other people would. So, uh, I know she can do the sweet. I have faith that she can do the scary. Uh, I'm going to assume that she can. Uh, Mainly, I just want to see her be sweet for some of the time. (laughs) Okay. I I guess I could see that. Basically, all mine, though, are people who have been in uh, action movies Mm -hmm. in the past. So, that's where, that's where I I did mine. But I like the, I like the uh, out of the box thinking there. Um, So my number five is someone who is recently in an action movie and would basically kind of be the same role in a way. Uh, That's uh, Vanessa Kirby in my number five spot. So basically she would kind of play a similar role where she uh, is kind of like a loner. She's like the loner of the team. She's like the new person of the team, like new person loner. And she's kind of got to earn her trust with the team and really how to work, has to like start working with the team. But she's like the, the X factor, the wild card here where she like, you know, she, she's awesome and everyone knows it, but she doesn't, is not the best team player. So they kind of have to work, work on her and like break the walls down and, and get her to the point where, you know, in the end, she's kind of like the reason they, they're saved. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's, she's the, she's the X factor there. She's the new, she's like the exe. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. I, I, I didn't know whether or not I should kick you cause I have Vanessa Kirby on my list also, but it's a different type of role. Uh, um, okay. but we, we both are huge, huge fans of her. Um, so I'll, I'll yeah. come back to her in a second. Okay. Number four. So not a lot of people are going to recognize this actress by name, but Logan Browning is my number four. Um, she is one of the leads on dear white people, the TV show. And mm-hmm. she was in the perfection, uh, most recently, um, alongside, uh, what's that? That's that actress's name from get out. Um, the white girl, um, Oh, Allison, Allison Williams. Williams. Yeah. So not her, but uh, Logan Browning was her co-star in The Perfection. And she does some great shit. She's going to be my girl in the chair. Um, so she's got like the maps and shit. She's in everyone's earpiece. And uh, she may have to do some fighting and stuff, but she's mainly just going to be speaking. And uh, I, frankly, I really like her voice. Uh, the way she talks on Dear White People is really awesome. And um, she's got like a... She's got like a vaguely sexual intonation with like everything she says. And I would lean into that. Like she would be very mm-hmm. like w- with horny puns all the time would be kind of her style. 
Um, so you'd hear her voice a lot and then maybe she gets a scene where she gets to kick someone in the head, but, uh, but she's my girl in the chair for sure. And she'd have probably some wacky, uh, jewelry on or some shit. Um, and then she'd be like lit by computer screen most of the time. So she's not featured as heavily as the other ones, but her voice is. Okay. I don't really know her well, so I can't really comment that much, <laughs> but I think you'd like her. She's, she's pretty good in Dear yeah. White People. Um, and, uh, really dug her in the perfection. Um, I, I don't okay. know that her acting chops are enough to like lead some major project. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, as a supporting character, I, I think she's super capable. Okay. Uh, my number four is, uh, Chloe G- Grace Moretz. Mm, okay. Yeah. And so we've seen her do the action, the crazy action with hit girl. Um, but what her, what I see is, so I see her having that same st- style of fighting, but what she kind of plays is like the nice girl of the group. Uh, she, she's still newer because she's younger. So she's like, she's been with the group for a little while, but she was kind of raised with the group type of thing. And so she's like really nice and sweet and, and kind of like innocent and stuff. But when she needs to get down and fight, she's, she's crazy. She like just, she just tears throats out and, and <laughs> stabbing and shooting. And, but she's, she's crazy. She's awesome. She's a great fighter, but Otherwise, she has to get to that point where she, you know, takes people down. Uh, otherwise, she's pretty, pretty nice and sweet and innocent and all that. And, and everyone in the group, they look at her like the little sister type thing. Nice, I dig that. And more work for her. Um, I like Chloe Grace Moretz. She, she's yet to prove herself to you, but uh, at least on the action front, she's been dope. Well, I like her. I there, I, I like her, and I liked her in, in Kick Ass and and uh, and uh, and Kick Ass too. <laughs> i liked her in the carrie remake oh okay i thought she was she was fine in that but yeah like some of her indie stuff she's done recently hasn't been great so yeah, yeah that's fair number three all right here's where i've got vanessa kirby and okay uh i'm getting a little selfish here some people would want to play vanessa kirby against type or try to mix it up with her i'm not doing that this is a character you've seen 100,000 times she is the black widow sex goddess like super hot infiltration <laughs> like like sneaks in and tries to fuck the rich guy so that they can get the information that's her she gets disguises like wigs and shit um but she is she that woman is sex on legs and <laughs> <laughs> i um i think that she would be great in that role <laughs> all right <laughs> okay all right well, on that note, uh, my number three is Holly Berry. Sweet. And so what, a little bit like she was in John Wick, she's kind of like, you know, she's she's pretty calm, badass. She, she can even bring along the dogs, too. Those dogs <laughs> are dope. But uh, what I see her as in this group is kind of, she's like the, the veteran. She's, she's not the leader, but she's the veteran. She's kind of like the knowledge person. She has all the knowledge and stuff. Uh, people go to her for advice and she but she's not like the not she's not like the the lovable leader she's kind of cold a little bit um calm cold she's not like let she doesn't let people in but she she secretly cares for the group again she has all the knowledge and she, people go to her for advice she's still pretty badass she's got the dogs always by her side who will go and attack but uh yeah the veteran is what i kind of have her as i like it and anything that lets me see Halle Berry is uh, a thumbs up for me <laughs> number two all right uh well documented huge fan of tessa thompson uh i know you are as well Ooh, that's a got, good one got her in here at number two and um i've got her 
as uh, sort of the gadgets gadgets expert, like the Q character. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's mm-hmm. in the field with the other characters, but she's the one that's got all the crazy like watches that explode and shit like that. Um, okay. And I, I think that um, she's got some uh, at, like fighting chops that you saw in Thor. Um, she's also got, I, I'm thinking of her kind of like her personality in, in the way of like how she is in Sorry to Bother You, where she's mm-hmm. like, like militantly woke like Malcolm more than 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 um Malcolm more than Martin type uh and and she's very like um like conspiracy type you know she's oh Mm -hmm. she says things like oh you know the aliens are in my brain telling me to like show this wacky shit like that that she's doing and then she's also Mm -hmm. uh, like has a great cue scene in there where she's like oh here's your car that is also a plane and all sorts of mm-hmm. shit like that. So she's the gadgets expert and kind of the goofy off the wall. Like, um, she's smart and she's sane, but she just like, isn't all the conspiracies and stuff. So that's her, um, that's her role. Um, and she gets to be out in the field. I, I, I originally had her and Logan Browning's character swapped, but I would rather have Tessa mm. Thompson in the field. I think she's a better fighter. Okay. I do like Tessa Thompson. Um, my number two is Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what I picture her as is kind of like Atomic Blonde, where she's a badass fighter. She's like the, she's like the fighting expert in this group. She's she's hand to hand and gun. She she's she's basically like the the combat expert here. Um, always the first to go out into the field. She's always doing the recon. Uh, she's she's always you know she's doing some of like the 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 costumes and stuff. And she's she's looked at as kind of like the badass of the group. Always kicking ass. Uh, People try and step up to her, and she always puts them down. Um, tough. She's very tough. Uh, again, kind of closed off, but um, but she's like the badass fighter. Uh, the just the the military, like the militant, just out there kicking ass. I like it. I like it. That's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna talk about her in a second in a couple okay. of similar ways. So let, let's bump on, and I'll talk more about her. Number one. I also have Charlize. I knew we would both. If there was one that I knew we would both have, it was Charlize. We're huge fans. Yeah. Um, yeah. She is. She's the leader of my group, like the official team lead. Um, okay. And I still have her as a hand-to-hand combat badass, but she doesn't do that very much in my movie. Um, mm-hmm. She is the planner. She lays out how the stuff is going to go, and she gives orders and things. Um, and... I almost wonder, she she may even be like captured at some point or hurt and the rest of our team, mm. like the movie is about them coming together to rescue her, but she definitely gets at least one or two scenes of her just wrecking a bunch of dudes with like phones and shit. Um, mm. And so, yeah, of course, we're, we're fans of Atomic Blonde, so we have to have her kicking some ass, but I've got her more as like, she's she's the, if, if it's a, you know, a, an army special team, she's the commander of it. And, um, mm-hmm. she's calling out plans, but she, she like surprises. So she's like a maternal type, a little more nice, uh, mm-hmm. and like warm to the other girls. Um, but then when she's called upon, she kicks some ass. So it's a surprise to us in my movie that she, that she's a badass. Okay. Okay. Well, my number one is someone who is, uh, been a leader of probably the, the biggest team. And that's Scarlett Johansson. She was the mm-hmm. leader of the Avengers, and so th- this is kind of this is what she's gonna she's gonna be the leader of this group, 
Um, she is, she's got, she's the most well-rounded. She can do the fighting. She can do the, she can do the, the, uh, ammunitions. She can do the computer stuff. She can do the planning all that. She's the planner of the group. Uh, she's the moral support. She is, she's not closed off. Everyone likes her. She, people come to her. Um, you know, she, she's, she's always motivating them. Um, and she can kick ass too. She can get out there and kick ass. She's the last, you know, she's kind of like the last, the, la- you know, the the last hope for the group. If everyone else is down, she can go out there and fit, you know, she can, she can bring them back. So Scar Joe is the leader and the number one on this team. I like it. Just like, just like Black Widow. I like it. And I sure do like Black Widow. We're, I'm excited to get more Black Widow when her movie comes out in a couple years. Yeah. Um, I think we got a, I think we got a couple badass, uh, seal teams of, of ladies here. Um, of course, mine's better, but yours is still pretty <laughs> good. I don't think so. I think my team would kick your team's ass just even looking at their past movie history. I don't know. I think uh, I think I think you're underestimating Lily James. She she is fucking nuts. <laughs> she will napalm your entire team. <laughs> I've seen her cry in literally every movie that I've ever seen her in, just in being in a corner and crying because she's helpless. Mm-hmm. So this is her chance, man, to bust out and not be helpless. One of one of your teammates, Tessa Thompson, had to had to knock Lily James out of a funk in Little Woods. So, uh, it, I, I just think you you have a weak link on your team. Oh, Lily James is a weak. Those are fighting words, Seth. Yeah, those are serious fighting words. I'm gonna have to whoop you when you come out here, because um, Lily James, she is she is, uh, she's kind of the heart and soul of my movie, man. She's she's the comedic relief, and. Um, and she's gonna blow some shit up too, and cackle about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love for folks on Twitter and on Facebook. Maybe we'll post some um, some polls. Uh, I want to know who you guys think has the better uh, the better action team uh, between Seth and myself. So I had I had again I had Lily James, Logan Browning, Vanessa Kirby, Tessa Thompson, and Charlize Theron. Who'd you have again? Well, damn it! I had uh, Vanessa Kirby. I deleted it all, but I'll try to do it from memory. Vanessa Kirby, Chloe Ga- Grace Moretz. I keep wanting to say Chloe Grace. Chloe Grace Moretz, uh, Holly Berry, Charlize Theron, and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Okay, yeah. So mine's definitely all from right. memory. <laughs> uh, hit us up on the tweets or on Facebook at Soco Show Pod. Uh, if we get enough votes, maybe we'll announce the winner next week. And uh, when I win, I'll I'll get to Seth will give me ten bucks or something. Uh, <laughs> deal deal all right uh <laughs> let's uh let's roll on um those are our those are our picks for this week's mambo number five ladies and gentlemen this is mambo number five all right we're sticking in movies and uh, i did find time to squeeze in a uh, a movie Gross. assignment to squeeze in that's yeah there we go oh that's nasty i did watch a film off of my homework list and i'm excited to talk about it let's get into we missed the boat Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. All right, so uh, I watched I watched this next movie, and it's funny because you've been recommending this since before I moved, um, but it took on a, a, an additional flavor since I live out here in Oregon now. Uh, I watched Leave Gross. No Trace. Ooh. Uh, over this past, I actually just um, this morning I watched it, and. Uh, it takes place in just north or just outside of Portland, Oregon, and so uh, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of setting here that is Portland and Washington, and I know some of these places that they went, which is really cool. Oh, cool! That's always kind of rewarding, uh, and I didn't know I that know. going. I had forgotten it was set in Oregon, so that was kind of a cool surprise. I, 
and I think they actually filmed filmed it there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a park where they uh, they filmed it here in Oregon, which is which was awesome. Um, I did dig this movie a lot. It was very, um, and I knew this going in because of because of your review of it. It's very much like an indie movie in that it's mm-hmm. relatively stripped down. There's not really any effects here. Um, it's mm-hmm. driven entirely by the acting. Uh, the pace of this is slow. I don't think because I was ready for that. I, I, it wasn't a detriment. It's just, a, you know, that's what it is. It's a slow moving movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an interesting. The, the plot of this is interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have for those who don't remember, uh, leave no traces about a, a man and his daughter. And they live out in, in some woods in a park. And they have been seemingly forever or at least for a very long time. They're very used to living out there. They're, they, they're safe. They have what they need. They go into the city sometimes for supplies. And um, you get the sense that they're very secure there. And then some events take place and they're forced to not live in the woods anymore. And um, it's about what happens between the two of them when that occurs. And there's a lot philosophically that's going on here that's really interesting to me. Um, there's the idea of of family and how much how much being together with family should overrule other things so in this um there's the question the obvious question is should or should they allow this daughter to continue to live with this guy who's got her living out in the woods um and you know then the question is well he's her family so he should be able to raise her how he wants but also society doesn't dictate that that's how you raise a kid so mm-hmm. there's an interesting back and forth there philosophically to like think about during the movie and they they show you a number of different angles at it and i i wouldn't say that the movie gives you an answer to it um mm-hmm. which i i really enjoyed um it reminded me of uh, and hopefully this isn't too much of a spoiler for people but i think it's vague enough there was a gone baby gone element to this that um you know that that kind of like this is a hard choice to make um for people and who is to say who should make it you know there, there's a lot here to like discuss which is a reason i really enjoy leave no trace the acting performances in this are great they are very they're not sexy right they're not the oscar performing <laughs> i'm crying and screaming at you the whole time here's my oscar reel they're very subdued very um they showed restraint. Uh, a lot of what you're doing here is watching people think or watching people do tasks. There's not a ton of dialogue in this. Uh, and as I understand it, I, so I watched this on Amazon Prime, which was really cool, because mm-hmm. while you're watching it, little fun facts will pop up on your phone if you're casting it. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, one of the fun facts that popped up early in the movie was apparently um, Ben Foster, that's the, the lead here, um, mm-hmm. him and the director... Um, worked together before the filming started and they removed like 40% of the dialogue from the script as it was before. Oh, cool. So they really stripped it down to just the important dialogue. So every time you hear someone talk, it's important for one reason or another. So what you do get here is a lot of really beautiful camera work, a lot of great scenery, and you can tell that it's really naturally done. There's not a lot of CG here or any that I noticed, but I'm, you know, there always is some that you don't notice. Um, but the 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 scenery here is gorgeous and that's one of the highlights for me um the the little girl here do you remember the actress's name thomason mckenzie thomason mckenzie and her character's name is tom uh, as well uh she does an excellent job i was really impressed by her it's the first time i've seen her in something she's doing some really mature acting here um mm-hmm. she's acting less like a kid you know she's very street wise woods wise i guess i should say um because she's 
she's seen a lot and she's been through a lot and she's done a lot and she's like a happy kid. She's not one of those like fucked up kids that's been, she seems happy and healthy and she's smart and she's on track uh, academically with, with, um, you know, where she should be. So you don't, you Mm -hmm. don't feel bad for her for having lived in the woods this whole time, which is an interesting Mm -hmm. take on this. I think other movies would have made her, would have shown her as, as worse off for having lived in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's really not that. And that's a big part of why there's conflict here because seemingly there's nothing wrong with her. So is it okay for her to continue to live in the woods with her dad or should she be going to school and shit? And that's, that's a big part at the heart of this. And, um, and this is, I guess a mild spoiler, but the decision for whether or not, uh, for how they should live, I should say, um, it, it doesn't come down to the government making it for them. Uh, yeah. there's a way for them to make the decision themselves. And it's really interesting the way they show that, the way they communicate between each other. Uh, it's very cool and very well done. The acting in here is great. The, the rapport between the two of them is great. Uh, ben Foster is doing seriously good fucking work here. And it's a shame <laughs> that he's not going to get a ton of attention for it. And I would say the same thing about his character in Hell or High Water. And I think he was mm-hmm. nominated uh, at least for a Golden Globe for that movie. I think so, yeah. But these roles that he's taking are so much more... They're, like I said before, they're not sexy roles. You know, he's not doing a mm-hmm. shitload of over-the-top stuff, but what he's doing is very hard and very nuanced, and you can mm-hmm. see that here. He's struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder in this. He's a former military person, and you can see that without him telling you. Um, and it was really, really well done. It made a fan. It made me a fan of his. I already liked him from mm-hmm. what I'd seen him in, but really, I'll, I'll be attracted to his next, his next, um, you know, his next project. Um, I like this for all the reasons. I wouldn't say I'm as high on it as you. Uh, you had it like mm-hmm. at your number two for last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very much more of a Seth movie than a Cody movie, but I did really enjoy mm-hmm. it for, I mean, all those reasons I said. Uh, there's not really anything I would complain about. Some people who don't like a slower paced movie, it's a quieter movie. Some people are going to get bored by it if they need more simulation, but it, it kept me involved, um, which was uh, a feat. Because I typically go for the mm-hmm. louder movies than you do, so I like this one. <laughs> I, it, it was a surprise to me that I did, um, but it was that's what we're here for. So I, I dug it. Um, good. I'm glad you did because yeah, it's definitely all the things you said. I I think there's something to be said too for seeing movies like these in a theater. Yes. With like people versus seeing it at home. I think I think that's cool. I, and act, actually, the, the biggest thing you uh, revealed to me here is that Prime uh, Prime Video now is Chromecasting. Yeah, that's I brand new. I, I, that, I was gonna say that's new because I, I I've always wanted that. Um, so that's cool. Now I can do that. So thanks for letting me know. But uh, so, no, but I think there's something to be said for that because I remember. Well, for one, I think part of me going to these indie movies and enjoying them as much as I do is the theater that I see them in. It just there there's an atmosphere to the theater and I'm already and, and I've seen I've seen a lot of movies at this indie theater now that I've gone to. But I've but I was thinking about it because I saw the farewell not in that. I had to go down to the same city it's in, but I was able to see it at a Marcus theater down there uh, as opposed to that that small indie theater. And I was thinking about it and I was like compared to it's a very similar movie in terms of like the farewell is and I'll talk about it in a little bit, but in terms of like the 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 pacing and the scale being such just down to these few characters and i wonder if i would have enjoyed it more than i did 
if I went to see it at the small indie theater because of the atmosphere and because of the small feel to it. Mm-hmm. And like that, the, the indie theater, they come out beforehand, like some of the attendants and stuff. And they, they describe what you're going to kind of like a little bit of the movie and like what's coming up and, and they, they thank you for coming to the theater and all that stuff. And again, I've seen movies at that theater that I've walked out and I was like, Oh, that's fine. Or, Oh, maybe I didn't even like it that much. But then also at the same time, what I've liked it more like last year I leave no trace uh and the movie I'm going to add to your list here um I saw at this theater and they were at my favorite for a long time and then I saw Green Book out at my normal theater and that was my favorite movie so is is that 100% the reason I liked it or not like I've had these thoughts the last couple days Mm -hmm. after now like seeing the movies at different theaters like how much did the theater play into it um but I do think a theater versus a home experience is a completely different thing. Oh, yes. I don't it, – it's going to be hard to see a movie on VOD this year. I've liked a lot of – I've really enjoyed a lot of the movies I've seen on VOD. But they probably won't, won't make my top ten list uh, or it be very difficult to make my top, top ten list because it doesn't have that same experience, you know. So I think that's an interesting thought. Uh, I think the only movie that's really come close to making my top ten list is Blind Spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I can't remember if it did or did make my top 10 or not. Maybe it's just short of it. That movie I saw at home on VOD was an amazing movie, but I think probably would have made my top 10 if I saw it at a theater type thing. So sure. it's interesting. Uh, there's less distractions too when you're in the theater. There's no distractions unless someone's being an idiot. So I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting thought process behind it all. Oh, I think, and it makes all the difference how you watch a movie. I, I've been really enjoying watching stuff from home because I have a pretty nice surround sound system. And mm-hmm. I can shut my house down to focus in on a movie. I, I am capable mm-hmm. of doing that. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I, en- I enjoy movies more in the theater. Um, there's no distractions. The sound is better. The picture is better. You know, um, the same movie, if I watch it at home versus at the theater, I'm almost always going to like it better at the theater. I wish I had mm-hmm. seen Leave No Trace in a theater because mm-hmm. then it, w- it would, even more than it did, would have wrapped me up in this world and made me really focus in. Um, yep. because it's a slow movie and especially movies like this, I think work better in a theater. There were a couple times when I popped up my cell phone and looked at a text or something like that. And mm-hmm. it does pull you out for a second, you know, but I was able to yep. get back in for this one. But um, movies that are slower, these more indie types, I think definitely are better watched in a the theater because you're forced to focus in and every movie is better when you focus in and you become a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, I was glad yep. there was, there were portions of this where I was like, man, this would be dope in a theater. Um, I'm lucky that I have a a pretty close to the theater setup at home, but, um, yeah, it definitely makes a difference where you see a movie. Absolutely. Cause yeah, I remember seeing this, uh, at the indie theater, uh, they, the, it's cause at the indie theater I I go to, there's one screen you've been there obviously, but Mm -hmm. there's a, there's one screen that's like kind of movie sized theater that has movie theater seats and stuff. And then there's like a couple couches in front, but otherwise it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like a movie theater at a small town type of thing. Like it's very similar to that. There's another th- theater screen that's like a much smaller screen. It's like you could probably buy that the screen at Best Buy for a lot of money, but it's a it's a nice like quality wise. It looks really nice, but like in terms of size, like you could buy that you could buy that size of screen at Best Buy. Yep. Um, and then the sound is like seems like it's just a bunch of like sound bars kind of on the walls and the ceiling. So the sound is actually really really cool because it's like all around you and super loud. But the screen they make they they make this theater pitch black, and the screen is pretty vivid and and the seating's relatively close, so you get a really good look at it. But 
I remember like this because of the sound is the way it was and the screen is the way it was and I'm pretty close the the screen is very vivid like all of the 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 scenery and all of the uh, the overall shots and everything, but like the scenery being the woods and, and, and all that stuff, it was very crisp and it popped. And I just felt like I was in that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, I remember like a lot of the, the, the shots of that movie were just gorgeous to look at in this, in this, in the theater. Whereas at home, yeah, I mean, you, you, you have the TV and all that stuff and, and it's hard, it's hard to replicate some of the lighting and all that, yep. but, uh, it's harder to appreciate that at home when you're at a, you know, our, your your TV used to be my TV, so it's mm-hmm. it, it's it, you know it's I, compared to the the screen that I saw in our, in our theater that you see it in a theater, it's a lot smaller. I mean, yeah, it's it's a big screen that you have, but it's comparatively to you know the theater, it's different. You know, it's a lot different. Oh, totally. So yeah, yeah. So like a lot of that stuff is just hard to appreciate. But yeah, we're on the same page there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love that movie. I I, st- I I eventually want to go back and revisit it. Uh, all the things you said about it, I 100 percent agree with. And I, for me, I, the, I thought like the ending completely because like, when I walked out of that theater, a ton of people were sniffling and, and, mm-hmm. and crying and stuff. And like it hit emotionally. And I, and I, I loved the ending of that. That's when it stuck the landing. I was, that's what I, I was so into it. I loved it. Oh but, yeah. The finish yeah. of this is great. And I didn't, I mean, I wasn't emotional about it, but like from an objective, mm-hmm. I was like, that's just a cool way for mm-hmm. them to resolve this. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate it. It didn't. It didn't really. It didn't hook into my heart like like I hoped it might. But I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it on every other level. Um, mm-hmm. And not every movie can make me cry, contrary to popular belief. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I dug this one. I dug this one. Uh, and so far, um, so far, have dug everything on the list. Uh, but my list is now down to just four movies. So Seth, I, we need to backfill here. So this one I didn't originally have, but I thought about it, um, and I think that. You talking about the slower paced and the more indie type thing, uh, and this is, and, and you're you're talking a lot about uh, Ben Ben Foster's performance. I think an even better performance from last year, uh, and he got a lot of attention for it and a few nominations and the rumblings of Oscar nominations, but uh, didn't eventually didn't end up happening. Uh, is first reformed Ethan Hawke and first reformed. Oh fuck yeah! So I'm gonna add first reformed. I think this one thinks a little bit faster pace than than. Leave no trace. Not 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 like significantly, but this one definitely has a lot more themes and ideas that you have to spend time thinking about, and uh, it deals with some different topics. Uh, but overall, this is a Ethan Hawke driven movie, and uh, was written by the person who wrote Taxi Driver as well. So that's right. Uh, has has some pedigree behind it. So uh, this one, I think, I could see you maybe not liking potentially just because of especially like the last half hour or so of it but i could also see you really enjoying it and appreciating it. I, I think you'll at least appreciate the acting so yeah and this is a when we talked about this the topic is an interesting one to me i i like i'm not religious but i like talking about religion and mm-hmm. the the sort of philosophical debates so i'm excited for that um so as long as there's some of that i'm gonna enjoy this I, i'm excited to have it on my list here so uh for so first reformed you just made the list <laughs> I have that blind spotting Wally, Call Me by Your Name, and Toy Story three on my list. I have two weeks to watch one of those movies. Seth will be watching one movie from his list uh, in the next seven days and reporting back to us on next week's episode one hundred eight. Seth, what are your options right now? Uh, Silence of the Lambs, Nightcrawler, Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, and How to Train Your Dragon. All right, you got some good shit on there. A dragon. <laughs> 
some good shit on both lists. Uh, make sure you come back every week to hear us recap the films that, that we missed the first time around on We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and You're gonna need a bigger boat. All right. Leave No Trace, of course, was from 2018. Let's get into some 2019 movies. Seth saw a couple of them this week. Let's get into our reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! It's a weird weekend. Uh, There's a a lot of things that came out, and they were all very different projects from one another. Uh, Kind of what seemed like something of a throwaway August release date. Um, But hopefully you were able to find some diamonds in the rough of August, Seth. I know you got two. I'll let you pick first what you're going into. Yeah, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Farewell. I just I'll go in the order that I saw them. So yeah, I had the chance to to check out the Farewell, which has uh, been one that's had a lot of attention recently for being an indie that's kind of just starting to build out a wider release. Uh, that uh, star, it's it's a really a mostly subtitled film, but it's 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 very interesting and, and it's very well done. But it stars Aquafina from uh, Crazy Rich Asians and a few other things. But she, it's based off of an actual, they, they say at the beginning, it's based off an actual lie, which is based off something that they do in, in China where if someone has cancer, they don't tell the person who has cancer that they have cancer. Basically, they, they believe that the what kills someone who has cancer is the fear of cancer. Mm. And so... That's what happens here. Aquafina lives in New York with her mom and dad. Uh, they moved there I th- when she was six, I think is how old she was. And she's basically an American. She spent more, most of her life in America than she did in China. But she's still, she is very, very close with her grandma. She she kind of, those first six years, grew up with her grandma and was very close. And then, uh, and they call her Nai Nai is her name. And uh, that that's the grandma's name. Uh, Billy is Aquafina's character's name. Anyway, talks to her on the phone all the time, and I think she's kind of learned Chinese in a little bit of a she, – she, she can speak Chinese, but not, like, super great, uh, Billy. But she's she's still close with, with Nai Nai, and, and I think she still – they still travel every once in a while, like, back and forth type thing. So they see her somewhat enough. But uh, Nai Nai has cancer, and – she uh, they don't want to tell like especially the the mom and dad don't want to tell billy that she does because she's so close with her and she's not steeped in the chinese traditions having grown up in in i think new york is where they live so eventually she finds out and she learns of this this tradition and all that stuff and they say don't come because if you come you're going to let it show you're going to you're going to tell don't come to china to see the grandma they they make an excuse to the grandma that the one of the cousins is getting married in the family so that they can all see her but not you know point out like hey you're dying of cancer mm-hmm. she's told that she has a clean bill of health and everything's going to be okay so the mom and dad go to china and billy is back home and and she's you know thinking thinking about it it's it's weighing on her she's feeling guilt so she does go out there and 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 then that's where the 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 main meat of the movie happens is where She's out there trying not to tell her grandma that she has cancer. She wants to spend as much time as her, with her as she can, but while well, while also, you know, not giving it away. But then she's also out there and she's learning more about Chinese culture and and about life out there because she hasn't really had to experience it on a, on a big level. She's kind of just been been there and gone type of thing. And so she's learning about Chinese culture and and learning about the life and and learning about her family and learn and and there's 
some exploration with her and her her dad and her and her mom because they haven't also always been super honest or close. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, definitely a lot of relationship stuff going here, and and they they get some to get some pretty deep areas there. But it's also a very funny and and kind of lighthearted movie too because it is all about enjoying life and celebrating life and and living in the moments that you are there. So they do joke around a lot and they, they do have fun and there's a lot of funny moments and there's a lot of cross translation things that happen. I mean, it's mostly in Chinese and so there's a lot of subtitles, but they do go back and forth because there are certain characters taking place in New York for one, for parts of it. They, they talk English, uh, speak English, not talk English. <laughs> I can't, I can't the, talk English uh, right now. <laughs> exactly. And that, that was more Chinese than English, but, um, there's also characters uh, who I think in the trailer you see there's a doctor who speaks English and then the parents speak English as well. So the, the mom and dad do. So there's a lot of that going on. So like when when they don't want to talk about the death and stuff going on that they speak English because the, the grandma nine can't speak. So it goes in and out. That actually kind of was distracting sometimes because I'm like reading and then I hear English and I'm like, oh, hold hold on. Switch. <laughs> <laughs> and then had to go back and forth. So that was kind of weird. But on the whole, I mean this this movie was 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 really really good. Uh, I, I did really enjoy it a lot. It it, uh, it performances were awesome all around, uh, especially Nai Nai and Aquafina's character. They the, Billy they 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 were they were both whoever played the the grandmother was great, and of course Aquafina was great. She she is comedic more like in in all all the other roles I've seen her in, but she does a, a great job of of being dramatic in this one too. So. Uh, I lost the Aquafina that I've seen in other movies in this. Yeah, I, I I believed her as this Billy character, so that was good. I that that's kind of what what I needed to see out of someone like her, who's really only known for a couple of major major things. Mm-hmm. So does a great job. I think though, like and again, all the story is great. The 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 score is great in this movie. For some reason, though, I think I might have had this one built up too much. And because I've heard so many great things about it and that a lot of people have it as their favorite of the year, I, for some reason, I just didn't connect to it completely or had my expectations too high. I, maybe, you know, like the whole idea of this, uh, of like the not telling someone they have cancer doesn't like, and I get that it's a, it's a Chinese, you know, tradition or whatever. For me, I just think it's dumb because like, you're not able to take medicine to try and beat it. Mm. And there's a lot of medicine now that cancer is beatable in a lot of situations now and so for me like maybe i'm just in my head like not being like well this doesn't make sense they could just go get her you know some medicine or whatever you know like i you know so maybe that's it i don't know like for some reason there was a block and i haven't fully understood but there's there's some sort of block there that held me back from enjoying this as much as other people have or as much as I could have because everything about it like I enjoyed I enjoyed the again the music I enjoyed the acting I enjoyed the story like I enjoyed the the connection with the characters I enjoyed but there's just something there that didn't quite allow me to grab onto this and ha- it didn't like set it hook set its hooks in me like other movies uh these types of movies have so you know, I, I, I it's definitely a recommend, definitely a movie that that you should see if it's available to you. Definitely something like it's. There's nothing about this that that I would say don't go see because it's great. It's it's a great movie, but just not. It's I like it's in my top ten right now, but I don't see it staying there. Like I feel like there's going to be some other movies that come up later this year that'll probably drop it out. You know, sure. It's just one of those that I see. It, it's there, but I just don't see it staying there. So. 
great movie. Definitely check it out if you can. Support the smaller movies like this, these indie movies like this. But, you know, um, for me, it's just not like the best of the best, like a lot of people say. That's always a tough thing, right? Because you want to advertise your movie as being great uh, and you want to tell everyone it's Rotten Tomatoes 100%. But, like, yeah, that's the mm-hmm. risk you run, isn't it? Disappointing against the reviews. Um, that's why. And I- it's not even like their advertising. It's like everyone I've heard who's seen this movie. Uh-huh is like it's one of my favorites of the year it's it's excellent and you know i agree that it's a great movie and and definitely a great watch and it's it's got the emotional beats and all that stuff but it's just none of it really hooked me completely and and uh yeah but like you said i mean it could be the expectations too that you know that, that a lot of people are setting it up as this best thing and maybe people are just saying that because you know they either believe it or just want to get some attention or whatever but it you know i don't know it's weird yeah this is why i almost never talk about book smart because <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i do i'm gonna ruin it for like a lot of people um, <laughs> no i'm glad i'm glad that you enjoyed this one um and i i i'm not surprised to, to hear you say that it's not like oh the best fucking movie i've ever seen um because what you know what could be you know you almost have to get blindsided right. by something like that to really to really um put it up that high in your list but uh you still even even though even so um a lot of positive things to say about it i'm interested in seeing this one i like the cultural aspect and everything and i'm really enjoying aquafina um she's been Mm -hmm. really good in everything that i've seen her in um is she has she entered into the yeah i'll see whatever she comes out with next territory for you um yeah probably um it's you know it's not like i don't know i I guess it depends on what it is. If if she she's at the point where like if she's in another drama like an indie or like a, a a movie where she has to explore a deep emotional character type thing, then I know she can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like sure. I, I I could I've seen her do it, so I know she can do it. So I I, I definitely am not going to be like oh Aquafina like Melissa McCarthy like <laughs> I kind for her it kind of had to be like prove it you know yeah. type of thing. Uh, Aquafina doesn't have to prove it to me. Like I know she can do it. So I dig that. Uh, yeah, I'm really liking her. And uh, I know you didn't see Ocean's Eight, uh, but I liked I liked that movie for one thing, and I and I liked her in it. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be one to check out if you like her. She's very much her comedic, um, comic relief type character in that one. So, um, all right. So that is the farewell. Uh, Seth is going to recommend it. Be beware of subtitles, though. As I said, it can be uh, some people don't like them. So. Uh, know that that's what you're getting into beforehand. I would hate to be blindsided by a bunch of subtitles. So, except in John Wick, it was dope in John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got a second movie. It's it's rare, Seth, that you beat me to the theater to see a horror movie. This may be the first time it's happened. I win. Uh, so <laughs> let me know whether or not I should go see this one. Yeah. Uh, so this is scary. Sco- scary. No, it's actually the art of racing in the rain. I saw that. Oh one. no! That's a horror movie. <laughs> No, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I'm only going to say it once because I'm surprised I got it out there. But Scary Stories is what I'll call it. Um, I, I know it's... I had never read the... Chil- Did you read the children's book? Oh, I read the, the fuck book? out. There's like four or five of them. Did you? I read them all. Yeah. I don't think I ever read them. I don't remember any of this. But does it take place in like the 60s to these stories or anything? Or is that just a plot device? So the book doesn't actually have a plot. The book is a collection okay. of short stories. Just a collection of scary... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty, because I think they do, they take those short stories and mold it into this movie then, because basically this takes place in the late 60s, I think 68, if I remember, and it's these these group of kids, and they, 
uh, end up in this haunted house or this house, this old house that it's on, I think it's on Halloween. It takes place on Halloween and they end up on this house that a lot of kids used to go to on Halloween. But then some kids just never showed up again after how like they, they disappeared on Halloween, never showed up again. So they they closed the, the house down and condemned it or whatever. And so they go in there, they break in, they find this old room where this girl was kept. I can't remember the, the it's it's the the girl who she's like the ghost or ghoul or whatever and they in they find a secret room that no one else has been able to find lo and behold and uh and in this room is where she was basically locked into her whole life and she had these the, these books that she wrote these stories to legend goes that she tells these stories to kids and and the stories happen to them or whatever and they never show up again. It's the last story they ever hear. That's what it is. It's the last story they ever hear. Mm. And so they find these books and the the girl, main girl of this movie, it's hard to remember these people's name. I just remember Chucky. I think one of the guys name is Chucky. But the the, the uh uh August. There's another 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 kid named August. I'm these are coming back to me now. But uh anyway, so they take the book. Uh the the main girl takes the book and now these stories as she's flipping through they're starting to be written like on the page as she sees them and they're in blood. Ooh, mm, that's scary. And, and yeah. And so these stories, though, start happening to people like to people that she knows. So like there's this dickhead goth or not goth dickhead jock guy. I think his name's Tommy. And she sees in the book like Tommy has this, this and this happened to him. And she's like, Tommy. And then all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, they start showing it like what's happening to them and it's being written in the book. So that's the whole like device of this movie is like they see the book, they see stuff being written in the book and then it starts happening to them. Um, Not like the most uh, creative plot, but still fun. It's a lot of fun. That's basically what this movie is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I I think it's, it's very tame in terms of a horror movie. Like this, it's not really like super creepy or scary um, there's a lot of spiders in this, so you might not like that. Oh, Jesus. There's like a whole thing with spiders in like one of the books, but. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. In the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking horrifying. So, yeah, it's pretty gross the way they show it. That like, story they actually, might be they why don't... I'm afraid of spiders. <laughs> but, so like that, the, 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 uh, that was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they. They actually, because it's this is kind of more marketed as like a teen horror. Like this is a a lot of reviewers said it's an introductory horror movie for like teenagers and stuff, and I could totally see that. There, like none of the, a lot of the evil stuff, the the ghouls and the the stuff that kills people is very, it's not cartoonish, but like kind of exaggerated compared to what you'd see in a, like an adult horror movie. Like there's a a scarecrow that comes to life that's kind of like fat. Look, he looks like a walker from The Walking Dead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um there's like i said spiders there's some ghosts and like this <laughs> i guess like a it, it all, again kind of looks like a zombie too it's like this fat looking creepy girl looking thing oh is that but, the, the toe the toe the one that's looking for the toe no there's that that one's that's a creepy zombie thing there's one that's like a it it wants to it like date wants to date it want it loves it loves a person oh. and, and like 
Do you remember that one? I think so. yeah, it's a it's a girl, right? It's got a girl's a regular girl's yeah. name, but it's like a really gross, bloated looking, like dead. Girl. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it. <laughs> but it's all like very, it's very, it's like because it's the scary stories thing that's based off kids. It's it, it's got that like tame tameish nature to it. It's still pretty gory at times for being PG thirteen, but uh, it's it's. I think it, I, I think a lot of that works. I think it's I think it's fun. Nothing is again too too severe or harsh or scary. The only thing is that I, that I couldn't stand about this movie that I could not fucking stand is they do that stereotypical stereotypical thing with jump scares where it's a very fucking quiet for way too long mm. and then boom they they do the jump scare. That shit pisses. It's a cheap scare <laughs> and it pisses me off because I know it's coming the entire time. It's so quiet and then it, and it's like very long there's one where it's like a minute of silence and it's not an exaggeration it's like a minute of silence and he's like i think he's under a bed and he's trying to look up over it and then boom it hits you with the misdirection thing like that's the cheap scary shit that i don't like Mm. but otherwise though i thought i thought it was all well done i enjoyed it i I had fun with it Uh, i know some people are kind of uh bagging on it for not being like a cohesive story cohesive story and it you know it's i don't think that's the the whole idea i mean there is a story that they set up here more of a story than i thought going into it but i think really the the whole idea is to kind of expand on the actual stories from the book so i think they do, do a good job of that and again it's fun i think it's enjoyable they 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 did you touch on some stuff from the 60s like racism a little bit and stuff like that but overall I had a good time with it. I think it's if you're a fan of horror, I think you'll have fun with it. It's again, you're just not going to scare your pants off or anything like that. But it's, it, I think it, it does some of the old horror. It's a kind of a throwback and a lot of like old horror tropes that they kind of throw in there. And again, if you're a fan of the the original stories, I think they represent those well in terms of the on screen portrayal. So I had fun with it. I'd say if you're a fan of horror, uh, check that one out. I like the sound of this man, and I did like those stories. So I am I'm gonna go I'm gonna go watch this and. Uh, I may get more out of it than folks who haven't seen it. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I, even I just did a Google and some of the images like, yeah, I, okay. I know that story. I know that story. Um, mm-hmm. 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. So people are liking this, which yeah. to me is a surprise. I really thought this was going to be a clunker. Um, mm-hmm. I did too, but it's, it's good to hear that you enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm going to go check this out as well. Uh, it sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a little, little long on the runtime, I think too, but uh, overall, like I said, it's fun. I don't think it felt super long. Um, there's a few moments where it kind of drags a little bit, but I think they do a good enough job with the pacing and the, uh, the, the, the way that they break up the stories and everything that it all works. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely have some fun with it if you're a fan of the horror. Nice. I'm excited to check it out. The movie is scary stories to tell in the dark. You can see it in probably every one of your theaters. Uh, the farewell, which has 99% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, uh, may be available at your art house theater, but it's a smaller release. I think they're widening it though because of the good reviews Mm -hmm. so it was in more this week than last so you may be able to catch the farewell um but a couple of recommendations here from seth in reviews and uh, i'm personally excited for next week uh where we have good boys is coming out and uh Mm -hmm. people are really enjoying it positive reviews so far so uh i'm I'm stoked to see good boys and we'll review that and probably some more stuff next weekend is there anything else definitely that you know you're getting to yeah uh blinded by the light that uh oh you're going to that bruce springsteen yeah that looks fun it's getting really good reviews too and then uh i may get to it depends and this one's probably depends on time slash uh reviews uh where'd you go bernadette oh yeah 
but uh, that's the that's Richard Linklater's newest movie. Um, but yeah, I it's, I think it's gonna be a fun week of movies. I think we got a, a couple a couple good weeks of movies coming up here. I know that there's a couple indie movies I'll be checking out the week after this week uh, down at the theater. So yeah, a lot a lot of fun, interesting August movies coming out here. I like it. Good stuff. That's it for this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Oh, yeah. We're finished with reviews, which means we're just about finished with the show. But before we go, you know, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more more thing. I am going to make my number one or my one more thing. Sorry. A very fucking creepy uh, deep fake video. Um... Deep fakes, if you don't know, are a, a trick that you can do with computers now that is a hyper-realistic, um, basically Photoshop, but for video. So you can face swap with someone, and it is seriously so fucking effective. And Seth, I know you've seen this, so I'm, I'm not going to play it again, but I'm going to link to it in the description box. It's a deep fake video where Bill Hader is transforming. He's doing some impressions. And as he does his impressions, his face literally transforms into the person he's doing an impression of. And uh, you're going to recognize Sorry. one of my favorites in here. Tom Cruise is one of them. Uh, it is highly fucking weird and disturbing, but uh, but it's pretty cool. So I'm going to link to that. The Bill Hader video this week is going to be my one more thing. Check it out. My one more thing uh, is a recent Netflix release. Uh, just uh, a... a I could have put it in the movie section, I guess, but I thought this is more of a just kind of a, a fun nostalgic thing. But it's the Rocco's Modern Life special. Oh, did you watch that? I did, I did, and I forgot how much I remembered from Rocco's Modern Life because so this what this is it's Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling, and in typical Rocco fashion, it's very uh, referential and it's very. Um, it, it it doesn't pull any punches mm-hmm. with a lot of the stuff. So what basically what this is is it's it, it again being self referential. It basically just talks about re, uh, revive stuff being re, revived and nostalgia and about change. So uh, definitely takes a lot of shots at like a, a lot of shots at people stuck in their ways uh you know you can say a lot of conservatives i guess that take shots at where people where people don't want change and even like so like basically the, the overall plot i guess i don't remember this from the show but rocco and uh heifer and philbert i think is the turtle's name or shelbert one of the two um go they they get blasted off into space and so they're in space. <laughs> They've been up there for 20 years. Uh, they really still love watching the Fatheads. And they find out that that Heifer's been sitting on the remote to go back home for 20 years. <laughs> and so <laughs> they, they, they hit the button to go back home. And when they come back, they realize, oh, shit, the bunch has changed in 20 years. That, you know, the, their cell phones and the Fatheads aren't around anymore. And... Uh, food's different and pe- the way people talk is different and all that stuff. And the only, the rock goes back and he's like, the only thing I want now is new fat heads and which is the cartoon that he loved back on earth and stuff. And so his whole mission is to get more fat head or yeah, more fat head cartoons made. But through that, again, it, it kind of goes through a lot of those things like change and that 
people the people are uh, resistant to change and that there's even like stuff like uh, they even talk about like sex changes in this thing. Uh, there's a character from there's a character from the original series. He's missed. He's the the big head. Uh, the the Mr. Bighead. He's the neighbor, the frog looking guy. <laughs> oh, I love those dudes. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his son, uh, Robert, I think his name was, is now Rachel. He had a sex change, and he was the creator of the Fatheads TV show. And so, like, part of bringing the Fatheads TV show back is like he has to go fr- confront his dad again. So they go over that stuff, like sex change stuff. And again, they, they talk about in, in little ways like politics. And then like, again, they're very referential to like nostalgia in this. So they're like, that that's the whole thing with Rocco wanting to see that, see new fatheads is because of nostalgia. So they make fun of nostalgia and people reviving all these old things as they make fun of that. And then also kind of like talk about why people want it. And, and it's just, it's interesting because they, Rocco has always done that, but you don't realize that as a kid. Like as a kid, we were like, "Oh, Rocco was electrocuted. That's funny." Mm-hmm. But like thinking about it now, it's like there's a ton of little Easter eggs, a ton of like uh, references to things going on in pop culture, pop culture, and statements that they tried making. And uh, that I think that's really interesting. So I think Rocco, the, the special. If you're a fan of Rocco or '90s Nickelodeon television at all, then watch this. I think, I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, it's a lot of these revivals that happen. They do for like a quick, quick buck. And because people want to see it and like the people can make money from it, but they actually made a choice to make a statement out of all of it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of those statements landed and I thought it was cool too. Again, they, they just had little Easter eggs of all these characters. Uh, they brought back a ton of characters that I was like, Holy shit. That was an episode. I remember that. Um, there was, there was one episode of Rocco where they had, it's kind of, it was kind of done in SpongeBob, but it was done in Rocco first with like two paramedics with like a stretcher. Uh, (laughs) do you remember that? Uh, they, they, I don't know if you remember that from Rocco. You probably remember it from SpongeBob, but they're like, you know, like the, the anchovies are, there's two characters who did that in Rocco. They were just on the screen for like five seconds, like as a quick little reference, like stuff like that. I think one of the creators of the show was in a was on like a someone's wall as like a picture, like an actual picture of him. Oh, yeah. But they, they they just had him on the wall. Like little stuff like like little Easter eggs like that. Just like real cool stuff. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why our culture loves uh, Easter eggs and nostalgia now is like uh, just because like all this stuff happened back in the day, these Easter eggs and all that stuff. And now we're always looking for these little Easter eggs. We're obsessed with it. So Rocco and like all these 90s Nickelodeon shows, I think have a big reason to do with it. But yeah, a lot of fun. I thought overall just a lot of fun and very interesting and has a lot of a lot of stuff to say. So definitely check it out if you're a fan of any of that. Man, that is awesome. I cannot wait to watch this. I'm going to watch this ASAP because is this like feature length? <laughs> uh, 42 minutes, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is so like, this is going high up on my list. It's like a couple. Yeah, it's a couple like a couple of episodes of Rocco's Modern Life, but Man, just a little bit longer. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, I, I pulled up the wiki while you were looking or you were talking about this, too, and uh, the character you were talking about, Rachel, um, who used to be Ralph, uh, mm-hmm. is voiced by Joe Murray, who's the creator, the original creator of Rocco. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, Tom Kenny, who went on to voice SpongeBob SquarePants, he's in this. Mm-hmm. He voices Hef. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I saw a note here, because you think Nickelodeon and a transgender character don't really, you know, it's a surprise. Yeah. Um, apparently, Nickelodeon recommended that the they work the production work along with Glad, 
which is oh, the cool. uh, Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. And uh, mm-hmm. so they worked together to make sure that it was a responsible uh, representation of a trans character, which is fucking cool. And cool. I definitely didn't think when I was four that <laughs> Rocco's Modern Life was saying anything meaningful. Um, yeah. But this is exciting. I love this. Uh, and it's gonna if it's going to itch my nostalgia bone and uh, and uh, actually have something interesting to say, I'm all for this. I want to watch yeah. it this up. Yeah, it was fun, like, sitting there watching it, because I, I, I was thinking about all the nostalgia stuff, but I was also just like, this is not, like, a lot of stuff we've seen do nostalgia lately have ju- has just basically been for the for the purpose of, like, seeing stuff we saw as a kid, but I remember w- sitting here watching it, and I was like, okay, they actually are doing something with this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, yeah, it's doing all this nostalgia, but it's telling a story that is actually meaning something, which is really cool for something that, Again, all this nostalgia stuff we've seen, we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So that I think that's cool. That is really cool. And, you know, let's not forget, dude, like, the cartoons and shit from when we were growing up and going back to when our parents were growing up, like, G.I. Joe was about, like, how to be a good person, you know, at the end of the mm-hmm. episode. So, like, the cartoons, I think, have always tried a little bit, some more than others. Uh, I don't know that I learned a lot from SpongeBob SquarePants, even though I loved it. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think that's awesome that, that this is there and it seems maybe to have aged with us or at least returned to us at a time when we're ready to understand what it was doing the whole time. Maybe that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love this. I'm going to watch it ASAP. Uh, uh, watch, watch Rocco's modern life and, uh, Bill Hader's deep fake this week from one more thing. But I'm down to one more more thing. All right. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 107 of the show. Lots of good stuff today. Don't forget to join the conversation on Twitter and on Facebook at SoCo Show Pod. Um, lots of stuff going on here at the SoCo Show. Uh, we're hoping to get out those skits. I know I've been promising them for a while. The sketches uh, got some free time on my hands now a little bit, so hoping to get those finished up. Uh, and then uh, some more exciting new stuff coming down the pipe we're going to announce in, in the coming weeks. So lots of fun things going on. Uh, lots of movies coming out to review and uh, lots of news. We're about to get back into TV season and the Emmys are coming up. So we're going to have a shitload of things to talk about on future episodes. So make sure you're coming back every week uh, with new episodes every Thursday. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed uh, wherever it is you get your podcasts and make sure that you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at SoCo Show Pod so you can get all the updates uh, in addition to uh, new episodes that drop. So great stuff. Uh, Make sure you check out our sponsors, Audible, Mathis Designs, and Mike's Wood. And, uh, you, you know, use their services as much as you can. It helps out the show and it helps them out as well. Uh, link also to the YouTubes. At Jared Buckendall. Make sure you're watching all his stuff as usual, uh, especially his uh, kitchen review, since we, we, we skipped that movie this week. So you're going to want to check out Jared's review. Um, yeah, keep coming back to the show. Uh, share us out with your friends. Bring more people to the party. We're, out, we're happy, to, uh, happy to reach more listeners. So with all that said, we're going to wrap this bitch up. Uh, for Seth Ott, I, of course, have been Cobra the Explorer, and uh, <laughs> we'll be back in seven days with episode 108. So until then, uh, I forgot how I sign off the show. Oh, we will. <laughs> I deadass forgot how to fucking end the show. I've done it 106 uh, times. I know. Well, maybe not the same exact ending, but uh, but yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was pretty rough. <laughs> I'll try it again. We will see you next week. Oh, wait, what what do I say? Uh is it like hello? The uh bye. <laughs>